It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> yes. Some of you know that, some of you don't. Uh, I actually had it set up with chairs and a little coat rack and was going to do the whole sweater, you know, sneaker thing. And I, I talked to somebody about it, and, and, and they had really no idea what I was talking about. So I said, you know, I, you know, I got to connect with the audience, so I, I guess we'll just uh, let, that, let that go. So I, you know, and then I would have been stuck wearing a tie for the whole service, so I couldn't do that. So... But, you know, the reality is, is we definitely could use a little more neighboring in our world today, in our communities today. And the world, in a sense, our communities are crying out for this concept of, of being a neighbor. And if you're, if you're, I don't know, around 30 or older, you know, you, you recognize this guy. Uh, you know, those others go, I don't really know who is. I know there's something about sweater again, but I don't really know much about that. Uh, but uh, you recognize this guy, and, and it was, it's, it's so significant that they're actually coming out with a, with a movie where Tom Hanks is going to actually play Mr. Rogers. It's going to be You Are My Friend, and it's coming out, I think, in February of 2019. So, so his impact, his, his what he did, how he did, it, it still ha resonates with us uh, even today. Uh, some of you may be aware that uh, Fred Rogers actually planned to be a pastor and had gone to school and all those kinds of things, but really had a heart for using this new medium, children's programming, to speak into kids' hearts. And uh, one, one person wrote, him, wrote up a little uh, segment about him this way. He said, his program reminded us that we are not alone. He reminded us that no matter how we display and act tough, However, however much we win, that what we really want is to be known and to be loved. And, and, and that really is true. And that, that actually is something uh, we might even say that uh, we might even think that Jesus himself would have kind of said those kinds of ideas. Because uh, we do want to know that we're not alone. Uh, we do want to know that uh, somebody knows us and we do want to be loved. And even the toughest one of us, deep down inside, uh, you, you, know, you don't want that in our soul, in our heart. And he summed that up right. So he designed a show uh, that, that would speak to that. 
and it would just continue on and on and on. And, and it just always talked about being a good neighbor. I, I grew up watching that as a little kid. And, uh, you know, I just, it just, I hear that music. And I know you talked about the original, but I hear that music. And I just, I kind of go back there. Because, again, it was a sweet time, and our world definitely needs that. But at the same moment, as I was, as I was thinking through this series, there was also some apprehension. Because I don't know about you, but I don't know if I have room to add one more thing to my life. I like to think I'm a good neighbor. I like to think good thoughts about being a good neighbor. But I really feel from time to time that I'm pretty much overloaded. So as I'm reading these passages, and we'll read that famous uh, story that Jesus tells, that parable about being a good neighbor, we'll read all of that. In the back of my mind, I'm saying, yeah, I like the idea of being a good neighbor. I like the niceness of it and everything. But I really am not looking forward to having something else I feel like I got to do or something else I got to carry around. Because, again, it just seems, life just seems just way too overloaded. Some pictures that you actually have to see to believe. Take a look. A state trooper spotted the truck driving on I-91 in Springfield today and pulled him over for what we're calling obvious reasons. The driver was cited for driving with an unsecured and uncovered load. And that was just the start of it. State police shared this picture and these pictures offering this safety reminder. When you travel with a load in a vehicle, take a look at it before taking it to the roads yourself and say, what could go wrong? <laughs> Unsecured, uncovered load. Probably most of us from time to time would feel, yeah, that's, that's my life. Unsecured, uncovered load. So when again, as I was looking at four weeks talking about won't you be my neighbor, I really want to set out from the front, from the get-go that uh, I'm not looking to add a ton of things to your life. I really don't want to do that. I want you to be able to look at your life and see how with some, some, some minor adjustments, you can find that you too can revisit the concept of being a good neighbor and all that uh, will take place as, as, as that starts to, starts to unfold into your life. So we're going to look at that famous passage that Jesus uh, talks about when it comes to being a good neighbor. Some of you may be aware of it called the Good Samaritan. Uh, that's in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. That's page 725 in those Bibles you'll find around you. And if you don't have your own Bible, your own paper Bible, Please, please take that Bible you find around you as a gift from Seneca Community Church. We think it's so important for you to be regularly exposed to the living God through his word. So if you want a paper Bible, if you're into paper, I, I actually like the U version. It's digital, which is also great because that's a free app. All translations has reading plans, all kinds of things like that. You can download it uh, on your phone, on your tablet, whatever you have. And uh, you can have it with you at all times. But Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 25, beginning uh, on page 725. So here we, we have this story unfolding. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. It was already starting to happen. Um, people liked Jesus, but some people didn't like that they were losing their voice, their power, and uh, they were a little unsure about this guy, so there was starting to become a movement. Let's, let's trip this guy up. 
let, let's say some things. Let's let's get him. Let's get some sound bites in a sense where he says something that uh, just isn't cool with culture, and uh, they'll they'll start following somebody else. Or at least not him. And he says, "Teacher," he asked, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" Now, when you hear that word eternal life, uh, some of us with a, a church background understands that, that that's connection with, with heaven, with God, with eternity. Uh, but uh, just right off, just reading it like that, some of us may wonder what that really means. And really, it's this idea of being right with God. When you and I are right with God, when our relationship is right with God, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as, as we go along, but when your relationship is right with God, it doesn't mean you're perfect, but when your relationship is right with God, that relationship begins and sticks with you in this chapter of life and moves right into the next chapter of life. And it's just, it's, it's seamless in a sense. You start your relationship with God, and then when this life is over and the next life, it, it, is, it's just, it just becomes crystallized, it becomes clear, you, you get it. But it's this idea of being right with God. So, so this guy is asking, this, he's trying to trick him up, he's trying to say, okay, so what do you need to do to be right with God? And I love what Jesus does, and I try to do this every once in a while, sometimes I, I'm too quick with my, my comments, but Jesus, in a sense, turns the tables and comes back and says, what do you think? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Now, when he says the word law, he's talking about the first five books of the Older Testament, the Pentateuch, and a teacher of the law, an expert in the law, knew this inside and out. They memorized this. So Jesus is saying, so, so what do you think? What, what do you understand it to be? How, how, do, you, how do you read it? And said, the, the teacher of the law said this, expert in law. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Total engagement, loving God, heart, soul, strength, resources, what's at your disposal physically, uh, possession-wise, uh, financially, and your mind and your thinking. So, so how do, you, how do you inherit the kingdom of God? How are you right with God? You just throw yourselves into loving God. And he continued on, and love the Lord your neighbor as yourself. So this, this guy, he, he knows. You've got the first five books of the Bible. You've got now prophecy. You've got Psalms. You've got all this other stuff. But, but he says, these, these are the two things. And Jesus says... You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. And you will, in a sense, be with God throughout eternity. Now, it's interesting that these concepts, some of us go, yeah, that sounds really great, and it sounds kind of like new, wonderful, and all that. But if we're, again, if we were to go back to the Older Testament, we would find that these two principles were there from really almost, almost the beginning. We're not going to turn there, but it's in your notes. In Deuteronomy and Leviticus, we see this idea of loving God, being engaged, being all in, and this idea of loving neighbors as yourself. We see this all the way through. And um, you may ask us, so how do we really uh, love God? How do we engage with that? And uh, Jesus talked about this later on. I love this verse in some ways, in other ways I don't like it. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. 
This, this doesn't mean that you earn God's love by doing what he told you. But what it does mean, if you really do love God, then you follow his lead. You actually respond to him. So it's out of your being that your doing materializes, comes. So it's, it's not that I do all these good things, I, I love God, whatever that means, I, I, and then I, I love my neighbor, and then all of a sudden God says, now I love you. No, 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 no. You already have God's love if you placed your trust in him. If you acknowledge that uh, Christ gave his life for you, died for you, so we could have forgiveness, and God could see us through his son's life, then we have this relationship, and then what we do is we show that we love God by doing what he's told us to do. So simple, so complex. Uh, and really, and really, if we we're going about, to think about it, we would say that at least the whole New Testament is all about expressing loving God and loving others. It all fits in that. It's one big application of what it means to love God and to love others. And so, great answer, conversation over. But the teacher of law wanted to do one more thing. He wanted to ask one more question because loving God, yeah, I, I, I kind of get that, really, you know, get that part. But the hard part for the question was about neighbor. But he went to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He doesn't ask, how do I love God? He doesn't ask anything else, but who is my neighbor? Because Loving your neighbor is, is tough, is hard. Some of us, you're thinking of some of your neighbors, maybe current neighbors. Maybe they came with you church, so don't elbow them. But uh, you, you're thinking of your neighbors. Maybe you're thinking of a neighbor from the past. And, and, you're, and you're thinking about that neighbor, and you're going, ooh, that's where the rubber meets the road. I can love God, I can sing nice songs about God, I can sing about his faithfulness, I can, ooh, I can even put some money in the offering plate later on, I can do all those things, love God, but loving my neighbor, and then who is my neighbor, and all of that, that, that gets a little hard. And Jesus being the master teacher, Jesus knowing our hearts, knowing their hearts, knowing not just this teacher, this expert in the law, but also knowing all the other people, decides to tell this story that will illustrate what it means to have love for a neighbor and who it is. So in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This was a very dangerous 14 miles of, of just dangerous territory. It wasn't wise to go by yourself. It, it just was dangerous. There were robbers just waiting to get you. And so this man's going down to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of all his clothes, uh, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. They took everything. They took his iPhone. They took his tablet. They took his credit cards, his keys. They took every, everything they could, they, could, they could get. They took him, took it, and just left him there for dead. And then all of a sudden, there's, there's hope. Verse 31, aha, a priest, let's say a pastor, happened to be going down the same road. Oh, this is getting good. This is great. This guy is going to be okay. This is wonderful. And when he saw him, saw the man, he passed on the other side. 
He avoided the whole situation. I'm sure this has never happened to you, but there's been times where I have felt inclined to be neighborly to somebody else. It's not that they've been lying on the side of the road, but just neighborly. Sometimes neighborly is just having a little extra conversation. And I see them, and I kind of go to the other side of the road. You go, what? You let pastor do that? Well, I don't go literally to the other side of the road. I remember one time in Concord, there was this lady who lived next to her. She's, she's passed away. She was probably 100 back then, and uh, her name was Jean. And she, and she was out there, and she could talk your ear off and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm coming out of the house, and I see she's got her back to me. She's, like, digging in her garden, and I kind of just went, click, shut the door. Because I didn't, I, I didn't want to get into a 10-minute conversation with her. Now, sometimes you could be in a rush, and that's okay, but I, I, I felt pretty guilty, so I know I wasn't in a rush when I did that. I just didn't want to deal with it. You've done it, too. The pastor, going down the road, goes to the other side. So, too, a little bit later, a Levite, this is kind of like a deacon in a church, went and came to the place and saw him and passed on the other side. And there's some thought that uh, the story, the, the traveling, that the Levite would have known the priest had already been down, so uh, the priest could kind of say, well, uh, the Levite could kind of say, oh, well, the priest didn't stop, so I guess I don't have to stop. But he goes to the other side and just, and just totally, totally ignores it. And then what's interesting is what's supposed to happen is that in this kind of writing, in kind of telling these stories, you're supposed to first have the priest, the pastor, the deacon, and then just a regular guy, person in the church. That's who's supposed to be next. That's what everybody is expecting. Because, you know, some people say, well, you know, the priest, uh, there was all this kind of ceremonial law and the Levite, so maybe he went to the side because he just couldn't get involved because he, he had to get to the service and, and preach a sermon or something, you know, and so that's kind of okay. So now the crowd is expecting just a regular everyday, we'd call them today, Christ follower. And uh, that isn't who comes. Who comes is a Samaritan. And I don't want to get into a lot of politics right now, but this would be like telling the same story, and all of a sudden, an illegal immigrant comes down the road. And he comes in and does something. Or like an Arab, a Muslim. It's, 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 in our culture, it's somebody we would be like, Ugh. for the Samaritans, we're like, Ugh. they had compromised. They had uh, been in the, the northern kingdom, and uh, they had gotten taken, some gotten taken away, and some other people from other places when it was being invaded by all these people, and, and there had been mixed marriages, and mixed faith, and compromise, and all this kind of stuff. So, so Jews didn't like the Samaritans at all. They would actually go at a two or three miles onto their trip to avoid going through Samaria when they needed to get to do some business. So, so, so nobody liked the Samaritans. So they're thinking churchgoer. And to their surprise, it's a Samaritan. As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Just like to stop and, if you can, circle the words saw in pity. He had empathy. He had, he had concern. He saw them. And his seeing created action. Because 
I saw my neighbor. I saw Jean. My action was to get in the car as quietly as I could so she didn't see that I was there. Do, do we really see? And then when we see, do we have care? I mean, honestly, on a, on a bad day, boy, this shows how bad my heart is. On a bad day, somebody has caused their own problem for traveling in a place they shouldn't be. Uh, they created this to some degree. Yeah, they, they, they were robbers, but, but they, but they kind of, they've been with a group. This wouldn't have happened. Uh, so, you know, that, that's too bad. They've kind of got them dug their own hole. Now they need to dig themselves out. I, th- I think that's a pretty common, sad to say, Christian Christ follower application. When we see someone that, that's on the side of the road, we see them, doesn't cause action, actually creates contempt. They got what they deserved, but not with the Samaritan. The Samaritan sees and takes action. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. He put oil and wine on them, the medicine of the day. Then he put the man on his own donkey. Boy, that probably messed up the leather. You know, I wouldn't know. I would I wouldn't like doing that. But anyway, that's Dave Spencer again. But he put the man in his car brought him to the inn, and took care of him. And it goes on to say, the next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after me, said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you have. I'll give you my debit card. Oh, if you've gone to see uh, Mr. Uh, Ramsey, you'll give him a, your debit. You not couldn't give him a credit card, so give him a debit card, and you'll just you'll just leave it there. And if there's any extra charges, just just, just take care of it. I, I don't know. I could leave some cash, but I don't know if I could leave an open, unwritten cash check. But the Samaritan does this, so everybody's at silent because they still can't get the mindset out of their mind. This is a Samaritan. He takes care of all this guy's needs. He sees him. He has pity on him. And then Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And what's interesting, it's really brought out with a lot of uh, uh, Greek scholars Bible scholar people that, that the expert in the law couldn't even say Samaritan. He, he couldn't say, he just had to say the one who had mercy. He, he couldn't get around that. And, uh, you know, and then Jesus says these horrifying words, go and do likewise. Ooh, 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 ooh. I didn't, told you I didn't like this. Go and do likewise. You know, really, this is not, this isn't in your notes, this is an added little thought. It's not about who qualifies as your neighbor. It's really the quality of your love. Wrong question. Who's my neighbor? Who do I have to? No, no, it's, it's the quality of our love. And Jesus is saying, this guy had a, a deep love for God, and it gets expressed by having a deep love for this individual. So that kind of gives us uh, two questions. 
uh, two big questions. And the first question is, is who is my neighbor? Uh, so who are my neighbors? Uh, you know, who do I, is it, is it people in Honduras? Is it, is it people, you know, in Romulus? Is it people up, you know, north, you know, on the 520? Is it that person that's, uh, you know, panhandling someplace down in Ithaca? Who, who, who is my neighbors? And, and this, you're not going to like this statement. Anyone God brings across my path. Oh, couldn't have been something else. Now, anyone doesn't mean everyone, but if God has brought this person across my path and I'm attuned to that, then that person is my neighbor and I need to respond to that. And sometimes it's, it's very difficult things. Sometimes it's just kindness. We live in a world where we just need neighbors that are, that are kind. And it's amazing. I really honestly believe that if you're a Christ follower and you really want to be good at neighboring and you have that mindset and you have that tone, that if you ask the Lord, whenever you ask the Lord, Lord, bring some people across my path, he'll, he'll do that for you. Just even this week, and it, and it wasn't a needy thing in some ways. I, I was going to a community meeting uh, up at the county building, and I don't want to get into all the details, but I, but I was coming there, and, and you know, sometimes I feel a little weird because I'm like the pastor guy, and they're like, oh, that's the pastor guy, and not too many other pastor guys show up at these things, but, but I want to send the message that as Christ followers, we care about our community. And so if we never engage our community, that sends a message that we don't care. So, so I go to this meeting, and I'm like, you know, I sit, you know, and I get all the, you know, oh, you're, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I, I you know, I'm, I'm running two minutes late, which is not usual because you've got to go through the security gate, you know, and they're saying, pull this up, pull my phone up, pull my iPad out, pull my, take my watch, you know, just on and on and on. So I get through there, and then I'm on the wrong floor. But anyway, so I find the place. And so there's these, there's the seat, like at the front, it's like a, a horseshoe or a shape, and the TV's there. I'm like, I hope they're not using that TV, because I'm like right there, you know. So I sat there, and, and lo and behold, two other people, I'm not going to say who they were, that uh, were, were trying just to, just to have a connection with a relationship, two people come in and sit right on either side of me, and I, I couldn't have, have prayed for better people to sit next to me because it keeps the conversation going, because we, we do want to be a good neighbor at Seneca Community Church. We do want a, a seat at the table when something difficult happens, so, so we need to get at the table when things are good. So anyway, so just, just God brought that, per- and, I, and I had actually talked with the Lord. Lord, so I go to this meeting, I you know, really would rather be doing something else, and I'm just going to sit there, because I'm not going to volunteer for anything, because I got plenty to do. My truck you know, needs to be covered, you know, and, um, but I, I want to be there to send that message, and, and it, was, it, was just, it was just a beautiful moment. That made my, it kind of made my day. I said, see, it, it was right. See, God is, does care about some of these things. So, so, we, so we have to ask, our, who is our neighbor? Anyone that God brings across my path. And so then the next question would be, what does it mean to love our neighbor? And, and this, this is not rocket scientists. It's to treat them exactly as we want to be treated. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get any uh, simpler than that. How would I want to be treated? How would I want someone to respond to my need, my situation? 
You know, and, and, you know, we can see this over and over again. I'm just going to give you a couple. I'm going to fly through them. But, but this idea that this loving is so crucial, loving other people, being a good neighbor. Uh, we read this in Romans. Love others as well as you do yourselves. You can't go wrong when you love others. When you add up everything in the law code, the sum total is love. And if you didn't get that, then there's this verse that says, for the entire law, first five books, Older Testament, is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And if we still need a little bit more help, there's in James. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Loving your neighbor, seeing who your neighbor is, understanding it's not everyone who God puts in your path. So at this point, right, wow, we're like five minutes early. We should just close, and that would be great. No chance. we got to get real. We've got to get a little bit real about how we actually do this. How do we love our neighbor? First of all, uh, we can't have impact without contact. We can't have impact without contact. You have to actually put yourself in the path of other people and see what God does with that. If, if, you, if you just isolate yourself, uh, you won't have any impact. You've got to get out there. You've got you to be there. And every person for, every in this room that has a different expression, there's a different way, but you've got to be out there. You will not have impact without uh, contact. Uh, Jesus says it kind of a different way. Uh, one of my favorite passages, because I love salt. It's all about salt. But, um, you know, when you get into this, this uh, into Matthew 5, 13 through 16, it's all about salt and lamps and showing light. And, you know, I don't care what kind of salt shaker Cindy has. I want that salt, and I want to shake it out. It, it doesn't matter what kind of uh, salt shaker it is, doesn't matter if it's the grinder kind or whatever. It just, it just matters to me that it gets out and gets on my food. So likewise, as a Christ follower, if we're supposed to be salt, if we're supposed to be light, you get the imagery. We, we've, we've got to get out there. Impact doesn't happen without contact. And we've got to be creative about that. Some of us live lives that are, that are very closed, we need to venture out. We need to, we need to think about how do I get out of the salt shaker? What do I need to do? And, and I can almost guarantee you, if you think about it and you pray about it, God will give you those kinds of opportunities. And that's really the reason God's left us on the planet. If you've said yes to Christ... Why has he left you on the planet? He's left you on the planet to be salt outside of the salt shaker. Uh, Jesus, even praying for us into the future, says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. In other words, I want you out there. I want the salt out there. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Uh, you know, it's, it's a bad place. We hear stories all the time. But rather than take them out, rather than just get them off the scene, I want you there. I want you present so you can point to me, so you can have that contact. Another thing we need to realize is that justice without Jesus is just a band-aid. Justice without Jesus is just 
a band-aid. I don't have a lot of time to go into this, but the idea is that we're just not trying to be good neighbors alone. We want to be good neighbors that point to the God that makes us good neighbors. I don't want anyone to, when the day is out, to say, oh, Dave Spencer, he's such a great guy, and not have any idea that the reason I do what I do, the reason that the way I operate is the way I operate is because God has made a difference in my life. I don't want them to think that I'm just a great guy because you know the truth. I'm not a great guy. I'd be into all kinds of things if it wasn't for Jesus. Jesus makes the difference in my operating system for life. And if you're honest, most of you could say, he makes a difference in mine. It helps keep my mouth shut. helps me keep my mouth open at times. helps me keep do this, do that, don't do this. You know, I need Jesus. That's the way I am. So, so justice, kindness, without Jesus is just a band-aid. Um, Jesus says it this way, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? So if you could provide for everybody's need, give it to them all, set them up perfectly, whatever that is, and it has, doesn't have a soul connection, it's just a band-aid. It's just a band-aid. So when we as a church do things like the trunk or treat or the backpacks, or all, there, there are these subtle ways that we continue to say why we do this is because God loves people. We love God, therefore we love you. That's the motivator. It's not a bait and switch thing. We're going to love you whether you respond or not. We just love people because God loves people. So justice, all these great things, they're wonderful. We need to come alongside. We need to dig wells. We need to do all this kind of thing. All of it, we need to do that. But it needs to be reflecting the fact that God loved us and now we love others. Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth. No one in life, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a hard statement for some people to swallow. I, I wish if I sometimes don't like it either. I would like to like to kind of take a pass on that. But if I believe Jesus said that, then I see if someone gains the whole world but loses their soul, there's a major problem. There's a Christless eternity. And I don't want anyone to experience a Christless eternity. Even some people that are really were unkind to me. I even don't want them to have a Christless eternity. So, so I have to take that next step. I have to, I have to point to Christ. I have to, I have to make that known because too much is at stake. That's why we as a church send people to Honduras. That's why we're getting toys and Bibles and medicine because we want them to see that God loves them. Papua New Guinea. That's why we do the trunk or treat. That's why we do this, why we do this. We want to, again, say, God loves you. Therefore, we love you because we love God. Also, we need to start with our Jerusalem, our location, our neighbors, our location. Uh, we need to begin there. Uh, early on, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit God's presence comes on you, and the person, the person of the Trinity will be, you'll be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. It's got to start at home. We, we've, we've got to be good at pointing to Christ here and then let it ripple out. 
We need to be at a place where we have something that's exportable. If we don't have anything that's exportable, why would we go some other place where we can't do it in our own backyard? In the early church, they, they didn't. They didn't. It's interesting that in the early church, they didn't do this. So eventually, they were forced to leave home base, as Eugene Peterson writes. The followers of Jesus all became missionaries, making a difference partners. Wherever they were scattered, they pointed to, they proclaimed the message about Jesus. Interesting. Early church wasn't doing it. So they get scattered. We need to do it locally and then go beyond. We need to realize that you might be living in your greatest mission field. Sometimes we think of places around the world and we think they have, they have a super need, and they do. But we forget right where we live, there's a super need, a super-duper need. Uh, evangelism in the United States, uh, where, where Christ Falls live, it, it is so small in our area. It is less than 4% in our region. Some of the places we send missionaries to, it's 25%. In Kenya and Africa, it's 50%. That doesn't mean we shouldn't send missionaries there. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have ministry partners there. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean we have a responsible to our own location. That'd be like you having some answer to some cure for some disease and, and your neighbors around you need it, but you don't, you don't give it to your neighbors. You go, go 10,000 miles away and give it to somebody else. It's not either or, it's both. You can look up these statistics. You need to, again, realize that you might be living in the greatest mission field, in your greatest mission field, right here. I think it's great, these trips, because it opens our eyes it helps us to see what we do somewhere else. There's an expression of that here. So I love the fact that we're a part of the short-term missions trips. But it needs to have some kind of ripple effect here. It's easy to drop into a different culture, a different place, wear Jesus on your sleeve, talk about Jesus everywhere, and then you leave after a week or two. You don't have to live next to these people. It's quite different to do that to my neighbor who I'm living to year after year after year. Don't you see what I don't don't you have don't you have a saying it's still 4 months until the harvest I tell you open your eyes and look at the fields they are ripe for harvest You know we need to understand that uh, you got to step into the awkward to get to the awesome I Told you a little about the story about going to that community meeting that was me stepping into the awkward but then I saw just a hint of the awesome it's just the way it works. The mission is not just across the sea, it's across your street. But understand that. So being a good neighbor is so, so crucial. I love what Jesus says after meeting with the woman at the well, and they're talking spiritual things. And, and again, they're in, in the Samaria area. This is a terrible place to be. But he says when, he, when his disciples come back, because they were looking for a, a subway in town and, and didn't have much luck, uh, they came back, and he, they're, they're thinking he's already eaten or something. And he says, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. I'll just be really frank with you. There are days where living the American dream, things going pretty good, is pretty empty. At least it's empty to me. 
And, and that's, that's not the food that keeps me going. And sometimes I try to have all the bennies of living in the United States be the food that keeps me going, and I start eating it, and after a while, I find that it doesn't keep me going. What keeps me going, what brings passion to life, excitement to life, joy to life, is doing the will of the one who's sent all of us, if we said yes to Christ, and being involved in his work. That energizes me. That strengthens me. Just, just getting a, a good 4OK1, whatever they call them, plan, and, da, 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 and getting that all set up so when I turn 85, I can retire, you know. But uh, that, that's not what I'm living for. It's not. It, it's, it's doing what he wants, and all of that has an emptiness to it. We should expect from ourselves what we expect from any missionary. We expect our missionaries, our ministry partners to go over some place. They learn the culture. They learn the language. They know how to interact. And we should be doing the same here. Paul writes about becoming all things to all men, all possible means, so that he can point to Christ. And so whatever that takes, as long as it's not sin, that's what he's involved. So we expect that if, if, we, had a, if we were supporting someone in another country and they refused to learn the language and, and wouldn't go to the local diner and eat the food, they wouldn't, they wouldn't you know, go do whatever they do for fun. You know, if they wouldn't do that, we'd finally say, we're not supporting you anymore. You're really not doing what you're supposed to be doing over wherever. We need to do the same thing here. We need to understand that. When Jesus gives his mandate to the church, to his disciples, he says, therefore go, and he talks about making disciples. But this word go is interesting. It means as you go. So it's, it's not go someplace and then do it. It's as you're going. In the rhythm of your life, make disciples. So what I love about this is I saw the imagery of that truck. It's not about adding more stuff onto my life. It's looking at what am I about? What am I doing? What am I going? Now, add that to that. I've shared this before, and this is just a real quick, quick one. I love to ski, and it's coming. You like those pictures on that neighborhood thing, the snow pictures? The, the, I did that. I just like, that's a beautiful neighborhood, a little snow out there. But anyway, I, you know, I love to ski. And so what I get to do is I get to volunteer in our local high school as a chaperone, I get to mix it up with people I, I would never know, get to know some new people, and I get to ski. doesn't get any better than that. As I'm going, as I'm skiing, make disciples, you know. And so, so it's not trying to come up with all these new extra things to do. It's to think of how am I going through life? I have a friend of mine, and I'm not going to embarrass him. He's actually here, and he goes, spends a lot of time at Lowe's. And one time I was with him at Lowe's, and he specifically picked out a certain register to, to, to connect with this person running up the cash register. And he said to me, she wasn't too sweet a long time ago, but the more I've gotten to know her, we, we have conversations and, and so he, he's, as he's going, as he's going to Lowe's, he goes to whatever this person's name is, and, he's, and, and she, she did look like she was an unhappy person up until he got there, and she's like, hey, 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 and, you know, and, and it all, as he's going, you all, we all have places we go that we can do that same kind of thing. Real quickly, not all the needs are equal, not all the needs should be met. We could take a look at Jesus. Jesus did not heal everyone. 
That's not an excuse. That's a reality. Uh, we can look at times where there were crowds to be healed, and he sometimes did it, sometimes didn't, sometimes pulled away for prayer. He just he kind of knew that rhythm. So again, we don't have to feel like the weight of the world is on us. We don't need to use this as an excuse that I don't need to do anything, but we get to live in that tension of realizing that not all needs are equal, not all needs will be met or should be met, but at least I'm engaging, I'm looking for that. Also, real briefly, we need to realize that love without sacrifice is just convenience. How many times am I thinking I'm being loving and a great guy and it's just convenience? It really isn't as noble, it really isn't as powerful as I'd like to, to think it is. Am, am, I, am, I, am I sacrificing? I don't know if I should say this, but uh, I am going to say it. I'll get, maybe get myself into trouble. But, but like, so for example, this trunk or treat thing. And, and this is us. This isn't you, but I'm trying to paint a picture. So, so, so it's expensive. Candy, you got to see our decorations. They were expensive. I bet you, and now Cindy's going to really be upset with me, we're spending as much money as our regular tithe check is. We're not taking our tithes check and spending it on Halloween trick or trunk or treat. We're actually doing both. But, it, but there's a sacrifice to that. And she understands that. And that's not to make you feel guilty because that's your deal. But all I'm saying is, is that there are some times where you, where, you, where you sacrifice. All you're giving, all you're giving of yourself can't just be convenience. It can't be scratch my back, you scratch mine. It's got to be a little bit more than that. Again, I don't have to tell you how to do that. If you're in relationship with Christ, he can tell you when and where and how. I don't, that's not my deal. I'm not your Holy Spirit. But the idea is that, that there are times where our, our love has to have a sacrificial component to it. Our great example, Jesus Christ, sacrificed for us. It wasn't a convenient thing that he did for us. And that's not to make us feel guilty. It's just to open our eyes. So I don't, I'm just going to throw that out there and let that bug you, as it bugs me, and um, realize that uh, you know, there's got to be some sacrifice from time to time. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. This idea that it has, it, has, it has a payoff in the spiritual world, touching a life that just doesn't touch the person's life for this chapter, but it also goes on uh, to the next chapter. Uh, we're going to move right through that and that. I'm gonna, you're going to miss that. So the idea here is this. We need to love the Lord your God. We need to love your neighbor. And the bottom line is... Love your invisible God by loving your visible neighbor. Love your invisible God by loving your invisible neighbor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this story. We thank you for this question and the way uh, Jesus answers it. And uh, Lord, I, I've been living in this uh, passage for the last week and a half, and it's, it's been troubling to me because I can see the places where there are gaps in my own personal life. And, and it's not that that causes you to love us any less. It just means that I'm, I'm not being as effective with my life. I'm not leveraging it in all the ways I can. So, Lord, I just pray for my friends here, my neighbors here. I ask that you'd help us to demonstrate our love for you by loving our visible neighbors, 
Help us to know we can't meet all of our, their needs, but we can at least have eyes that, have, that see them and have pity, have a heart for them. And Lord, help us to take that responsibility. Help us to see the places where uh, we can step into that, where you've put someone in our path specifically for that reason. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.